0: Another week begins with another edition of College Football Live. Magic alongside Sam Acho and Harry Douglas. We're just 26 days away from actually watching some live college football. We're here for the next 30 minutes or so. We will ask these two guys on either side of me the big questions facing the big Conferences, But the big question hanging over the entire sport could have a domino effect that touches them all. Last week, Colorado announced it's leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12. Plenty of uncertainty surrounds Colorado's future X as the league is still waiting for clarity on a new media rights deal, which Commissioner George Klyovkov said at Pac-12 Media Days was going to be announced soon. That was 10 days ago. ESPN College football insider Pete Thamel has the very latest. Pete, what is the latest with the Pac-12 and where they stand right now?
1: Matt, the Pac-12 is supposed to, and stop me if you've heard this before, present to their presidents tomorrow the actual numbers of the potential television deals that are on the table for the league. Uh, The league had set for a while, July 31st, as a deadline to get all of the potential deals together from its potential television partners. And there's obviously, with Colorado's departure, an increased urgency for the league presidents to find out what that money will be. Now, this has been going on for almost a year. So, again... Is tomorrow finally the day? That's what it's supposed to be. The departure of Colorado certainly creates an undercurrent of uncertainty and urgency throughout the league.
0: You mentioned in your story that's on ESPN.com, and I would invite everyone to to read it. It's a very in-depth look, covers a bunch of different topics there. But you mentioned Arizona. You also mentioned part of that border school, not necessarily a pact, but that Arizona-Utah— uh, they they could move together. What, what what happens there?
1: Yeah, good question, Matt. Um, so these are
0: the so-called corner schools. Corner
1: school number one, Colorado, has already departed. The most contact of the remaining three corner schools, which are Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, has come. Big Twelve. Arizona President Bobby Robbins is a guy who's really positioned himself as a power broker in the sport. Just two months ago, he was in D.C. with Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, on a panel talking about the future of the sport. While all the focus has been on Arizona potentially being Team 14, there's this very quintessentially collegiate idea that comes up during realignment that says, we don't want to be the one that kills the league. So the idea of Arizona going solo which would, again, lead to the Pac-12 being in more trouble, has been pushed back on today. And the idea is that if Arizona goes, they'd want Utah and Arizona State to go with them. But this is all predicated on tomorrow and what kind of money is shown to these presidents so they can ultimately and finally get some clarity and make a decision
0: moving forward. Quickly on that point, is it about the money or is it about exposure? What does a deal have to look like for schools to stay Pat.
1: It's a great question, Matt, and there's a balance there. Uh, there, There's been a notion that there's a streaming offer looming that's very good money, but it could be limited in exposure, as it would obviously only be one avenue. There has to be a balance between exposure and money, and that's been the the needle that Commissioner George Klyovkov has been trying to thread all this time.
0: All right, what does it mean then for schools like Oregon and Washington, which even for the last 12 months have been rumored to the Big Ten.
1: Sure. Oregon and Washington are clearly the the best catches, if you will, in the the Pac-12. They obviously have the biggest brands and the most success athletically in recent years. Going forward, if there is an exodus of those three schools and others, Oregon and Washington will not follow them to the Big 12. It's my understanding that They would either try to go rogue out west as independents, but their reality is now or later they want to go to the Big Ten. There were conversations a couple months ago when Kevin Warren was the commissioner, after USC and UCLA went. USC has put up some roadblocks to the, especially Oregon's candidacy, but Athletic Director Mike Bone is gone now. It's interesting to see how staunch of a fight the Trojans would put up. But the reality is if Oregon and Washington leave, Matt, They'd come for a a discount, and new Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti, well, again, not wanting to look like a poacher, is running out the ground balls here. He wants to know what the financials could look like and what this could look like to his league. A fourth television partner for the Big Ten would probably be necessary in that scenario. So, again... That would not happen quickly. All of these things are complex. Again, these are big universities with boards and governors can meddle. So nothing in realignment happens quickly. But tomorrow is definitively a pivot point for the future of the Pac-12
0: and where it could go. We mentioned the domino effect here. We know the ACC's grant of rights doesn't expire until 2036. We're talking 12 years here. What are the chances that this that conference realignment? Could spring to the ACC? Well,
1: there's an inevitability that looms over the ACC that the unhappiness of the seven schools who've been chatting amongst each other about their unhappiness will eventually wreak havoc. Will the league dissolve? Will they all exit? Will they go somewhere else? Well, nobody knows. One certainty is no league is going to invite a school that's contracted to another league. That's tortious interference. And no league wants to bring someone in with looming legal problems. So the unhappiness has been there in the ACC, and it's been there for well over a year. Florida State has led the charge on that. Clemson is right behind them. Uh, Miami has been, uh, has been involved to, to some significant extent. Um, if someone is going to leave and then attempt to join another league in 2024, they need to give the ACC written notice by August 15th. I think it's unlikely that that will happen, and sources do tell me that, but it's realignment, Matt. Nothing's impossible.
0: (laughs) Uh, Pete, you've been all over this stuff and we'll continue to follow it. There will be games to be played uh, as well. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate you. Check it out on ESPN.com. Yes, we are looking forward to games regardless of realignment. There will be football. Let's look at some storylines. The SEC looking to continue its run of dominance, having won the last four national titles. Second longest streak by any conference in the poll era. Georgia looking to become the first team to three-peat as national champs in the AP poll era. The last team to go for a three-peat was Alabama in 2013 when they lost out on a CFP shot with that dreaded kick six. The SEC continues to be a gauntlet with half the conference ranked in the top 20, and ESPN's analytics, FBI, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU all find themselves in the top five entering this season. All right, guys, we can go internal or external here. Sam, we'll start with you. What is standing in the way between Georgia and a 3 P?
2: The biggest thing standing in the way between Georgia and a three-peat, it's not necessarily complacency, but it's complacency tied with teams like Missouri, teams that nearly beat Georgia last year that almost smelt blood, that tasted it a little bit. And now all of a sudden, they're getting better. They're saying, we can now be on top. I get it. Georgia had a lot of dominant performances, but there was a few games where they got sloppy with turnovers. They got sloppy with tackling. And now other teams are saying, we're going to get better, too. We almost took down the top dog. Now it's going to be our year to take down Georgia.
3: Yeah, I think for me, it's going to be external. And I'm going to go with Ohio State, a team that the University of Georgia actually played in the semifinals game last year. And almost actually won that game if it wasn't for a few plays here and there we would have been talking about Ohio State going to the national championship game and not the University of Georgia when I look at Ohio State and you look how their team uh, how it's actually constructed they're too deep at the running back position all three of their wide receivers are coming back solid offensive line you look at how many players is coming back for them defensively and I understand the quarterback position is very important and very imperative when it comes to success at the college level but I think Cal McCord would be able to handle everything that's coming this way
0: yeah you mentioned ohio state you took us right there we're going conference to conference here with these major storylines and while georgia tries to win three straight national championship michigan goes for its third straight big ten championship it's one of the storylines in the big ten as they're projected to run through ohio state and two-time defending champ michigan once again they're the favorites according to espn analytics the league has four new head coaches this season. Nebraska hired Matt Rule. Purdue tabbed Ryan Walters. Wisconsin moved to Luke Fickle. And Northwestern has interim coach David Braun calling the shots after the firing of Pat Fitzgerald. Big Ten star power returning in 2023. Blake Coram, Donovan Edwards leading Michigan's backfield again. Wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. As you heard Harry reference, as a Heisman contender for Ohio State. Big question for the Big Ten, guys, and Harry, we'll start with you. What's going to have the bigger impact, the fact that Ohio State is breaking in a new starting quarterback or the fact that Michigan has their guy coming back?
3: This is a tough one because, you know, J.J. McCarthy being in Michigan is uh, phenomenal for their team and what they want to do to have success in 2023. But I'm going to go with Ohio State and Kyle McCord because I think all he has to do is not mess things up for Ohio State. You have everything on the platter sitting there right there for you as a starting quarterback. Now it's your job to go out there and orchestrate things in the right manner in order to have that success. Now, I think one of the things that's great for Cal McCord is that he went to actually high school with Marvin Harrison Jr. So you have that familiar standpoint, things from a a familiar standpoint with those two guys. But also, you have playmakers surrounded around you. Just don't mess it up, Cal McCord.
2: Well, I'm going to go with J.J. McCarthy. And the reason why is that this same teams we're talking about, Ohio State and Michigan, J.J. McCarthy beat Ohio State last year at the helm at quarterback. Now you have another year under under his belt. No, by the way, he still has his running back, Donovan Edwards, who went for over 260. Still has Blake Corum coming back. There have been conversations about J.J. McCarthy being one of the best, if not the best, at least top-tier quarterback coming out this year. And so, obviously, Caleb Williams is there. Obviously, you have uh, Drake May. But J.J. McCarthy has a high ceiling. Now you have another year of experience under his belt, a dominant running game, a really good defense. I think he's a bigger story in this rivalry.
0: Michigan hasn't won three straight in the series with Ohio State since 95-6-7 when they, oh, just so happened, to win a national championship. Thanks, guys. More from you in just a moment. Let's stick with the Big Ten and our very own Pete Thamel reporting just moments ago that Northwestern will, in fact, hire Skip Holtz as special assistant to the head coach this season. It's temporary, will not interfere with his USFL head coaching job where he coaches Birmingham. The former college head coach will help guide interim head coach David Braun and help him navigate this season so much more to get to here on college football live we mentioned ohio state earlier archie griffin the only player to ever win consecutive heismans next on college football live how about the possibility caleb williams becomes the second plus last year tcu went from unranked to the playoff what team in the big 12 could follow suit this year College football live rolls on ACC storylines. No coastal chaos this year. It's because there's no divisions. 14 teams for two spots in the conference title game with the top two teams with the best records getting a berth with perhaps a CFP berth on the line. ACC looking to rebound after failing to have a team reach the playoff in the past two seasons after making the playoff its first seven seasons, thanks in large part to Clemson. Essentially, made it part of their schedule, making the CFP six times. Trying to get back there yet again. Matt Chick, Harry Douglas, and Sam Acho. For the better part of the last eight years, guys, it was Clemson and everybody else in the ACC. Sam, start with you. Let's give you Clemson, Florida State, and let's throw in Miami. What's the order, and how big's the gap?
2: Well, Sheikh, you just said the order. It's Clemson, then Florida State, then Miami, and here's why. Clemson, number one, returning Clay, Cade Klubnick as a starter. This dude was one of the most decorated high school Texas quarterbacks in history, won numerous state titles, very, very rarely lost, but it's about his leadership attributes. That's what you hear from the guys in his locker room. Then you go to Florida State, Jordan Travis, he's ascending. His play got so much better as the year went on last year. And then Miami, the reason I have them last is that Under Cristobal, it took them a while last year. I don't really think they even found their rhythm. And so that's why they're last in that group. So I think Clemson and Florida State are the first two. Miami's still way far behind.
3: Yeah, for me, I would say in the ACC, I actually have Florida State number one this season. When you look at Jordan Travis and what he's able to bring to the table, and I do agree with you, Sam. He made tremendous strides last year as a starting quarterback for this team. But I look at a guy at the wide receiver position in Johnny Wilson. They go out to the transfer portal and get Keon Coleman from Michigan State, Jaheen Bell from South Carolina, who I think is going to be a star in this offense. And I think Mike Norvell really has something going here. You look at the defensive side, and two people, Patrick Payton and Jarrett Verse. Jarrett Verse is going to be a top ten pick in 2024 NFL draft. But between those two guys, they had 14 sacks last year, and I just think they're going to do better in 2023. When I look at Clemson. I think it all depends on the quarterback position. Clay uh, Klubnik, he doesn't have D.J. Wanglile, you know, looking down his back or he looking up his back. He actually is a starting guy this year. Will Shipley, they're going to have to lean a ton on him this season. But when you look at their defense – the defensive line. I need Justin Moskow. I need Tyler Davis, Xavier Thomas. I need those guys to go and pressure the quarterback like we are accustomed to seeing a Clemson defense from the days that they were winning national championships. And when you look at Miami, Mario Cristinball, a guy who's from that area, a guy who played at the U, won two national championships. So he's not going to let people just walk around there talking about the U and misusing it any kind of ways. But his baby is the offensive line. Offensive line and defensive line play have to be good and also their quarterback, um, Tyler Van Dyke, he has to remain healthy.
0: Well said, Harry. Florida State hasn't won a conference title in nine years. It's been 20 years since Miami has done it. That was when they were back in the Big East. They've had one double-digit win season since. Let's go from the ACC to the Big 12 and some of the burning questions with this league. For at least one year, they're going to be the Big 14. Uh, The league welcomes BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF this year, Colorado in 2024 before bidding farewell to Oklahoma and Texas. According to ESPN Analytics, the two outgoing teams favored to win the conference title, the Longhorns lead the way, followed by the Sooners. It's been 14 years since Texas won the league when Sam Acho was patrolling the defense. How about this? Over the last two seasons, the Big 12 is the only conference to produce multiple AP top five teams that started the year unranked. Last season, TCU finished number two, and two years ago, Baylor finished number five. So Harry, start with you. Who is that dark horse off-the-radar team that could surprise everybody this
3: year out of the Big 12? I'm going to go with the Kansas Jayhawks. I like what Lance Leopold did last year with that team, but it's all predicated from the quarterback position Jalen Daniels you look at this team last year they started 5-0 we did college game day from Kansas when they played TCU and he actually got hurt in that game and from that moment on the Kansas Jayhawks went downhill so I think if he's uh, able to be healthy they have their running back coming back two of the key receivers I think this Kansas Jayhawk uh, team can make some noise in the Big 12.
2: Oh, I'm going to go with the team that beat both of the favorites this year. I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Why? We talked about it. They beat Texas last year. They beat Oklahoma last year. Joey McGuire, that was his first year as a head coach. He's going to a second year. And after that win against Texas, we saw him in the locker room. He said they're going to find out. Everything runs through Lubbock. This dude was one of the most decorated high school coaches, coached at Cedar Hill in Texas when numerous state titles had college experience at Baylor, but now he's changing the culture at Texas Tech. Got his quarterback in place. Obviously, he lost a high round pick last year at defensive end, but his, he, he's got this belief instilled in his team. He's already beat the two favorites this year. I think Texas Tech is going to be that dark horse team that people aren't talking about now. That should be after an 8-5 and five season last year.
0: I like it, Sam. I was talking on the radio about a week ago with someone who covers Texas Tech and has for a long time. He said this this program hasn't been this well positioned in the last decade, so everyone's pretty fired up about what they have there in West Texas. From uh, West Texas to out west, let's go to the Pac-12. The big storyline involving this league, outside of the realignment, has to do with Caleb Williams. He joined. Carson Palmer, Matt Liner is the only Trojan quarterbacks to win the Heisman Trophy. Unanimous AP All-American, first USC player to win the Maxwell since Marcus Allen, and the program's first Walter Camp Award winner since Reggie Bush. Sam, start with you. What are the chances Caleb
2: Williams becomes the second two-time winner of this thing? Ninety nine point nine nine. I mean, like this dude, Caleb Williams is in a league of his own. And we saw it last year. Yes, he won the Heisman. But remember, he got injured last year, played through injury in the bowl game. And then he went out and obviously his team wasn't able to play well when he wasn't out there. But my point is, he is motivated. He's got this belief instilled in him. He wants to take his team to the college football playoff and to go win a championship. And so you have a man who won it before, but has a bigger chip on his shoulder this year. That's a recipe for disaster for every other team. They face.
3: Yeah, I have Caleb Williams as my favorite right now. Uh, whenever you have a guy that can throw for over 4,500 yards, I believe 42 touchdowns to five interceptions, and have 10 rushing touchdowns on the ground. He has every one of his receivers coming back, and oh yeah, they added someone in the transfer portal from Arizona named Dorian Singer. I think when you look at Lincoln Riley and the USC Trojans, one of the things that they did a great job of the last two years was using the transfer portal. They did it uh, to an extensive level for that offensive line to get a little bit more beef up front. That was a deficiency for them as as well as the defensive line. I think... When you look at a guy like Caleb Williams, it's the intangibles, right? The off-script plays. And I can't help Sam and Matt, but think about this young man. When he was a freshman at Oklahoma, and it was a fourth-and-one situation, and they handed the ball off to a running back, and he had the instincts, the instincts, to take it from the running back and go pick up that first down. Some things are just just with the player. You don't coach. They just have it with them. He has that it factor.
0: Uh, Against Kansas, that was quite the moment there. By the way, 17th winner... Williams is to come back to school nine of the previous to do it have finished in the top four the next year in the Heisman voting most recently Lamar Jackson who finished top three a year after winning it coming up next Notre Dame had some Heisman winners help me help you wait till you see the video that Marcus Freeman and company put together to show off the Irish's threads for their game against Ohio State this year. you got to check it out on Notre Dame's Twitter account. Aldrich Estime, Sam Hartman, Coach Freeman doing a Jerry Maguire spoof. Show me the green jerseys to unveil their green jerseys that they're going to wear week five against Ohio State. Those look pretty good. Rhetorical questions, Sam. Did you know the human head weighs eight pounds? And what do you
2: think of the threads? Hey, I didn't know about the human head, and I think some people's heads <laughs> are probably larger than others, but I love the threads. I will say that. I love the threads.
3: Eric. Yeah, I'll I'll say for me, I'm a more traditional guy. I like the green jerseys with the gold pants and gold helmet, the Joe Montana days, but it actually doesn't look bad. I'm interested to see what it's going to look like on the field against Ohio State when they play them this year.
0: You're Ohio State. You don't want to see the back of Estime's jersey running free uh, for Notre Dame. That's going to be a great game, one of those great non-conference games coming up this season. Yeah, all the realignment news, there is football to be played. 26 days away. We'll see you Tuesday, 4.30 Eastern, ESPN2.